Depending on your age, you probably grew up hearing that drugs are bad. Personally, I grew up during the 80s and the 90s campaign, the whole war on drugs, and I grew up seeing images like an egg being scrambled and being told that was my brain on drugs. Now, whether me sharing that conjured up your own memories, or you're listening to this thinking, wait a minute, Lisa, how old are you? The answer is 34. Chances are you still probably never associated drugs with anything positive. Truthfully, growing up, and definitely to some extent today, I'm pretty straight-laced. I've never smoked. Even though I'm from BC, I'm probably one of the only people I know who doesn't smoke marijuana. I've never tried any recreational drugs and truthfully have never really been that interested in it. But a few years ago, I started hearing murmurs about healing through drugs. I heard stories from friends on trips to South America who tried ayahuasca and raved about the experience, the healing, and the powerful insights they gained. While I was definitely skeptical, I was instantly intrigued. In fact, I I find that the older I get, the more I realize how little I know and that everything really is worth exploring. That's what got me curious about psychedelics. I've watched documentaries about people healing from addiction. I've heard so many personal stories from friends who have healed from trauma, and even some of my six, seven, eight-figure entrepreneur friends who have done year-round business retreats using psychedelics to access new creative business ideas and help them grow their businesses. In fact, dosing or microdosing has become mainstream in a lot of communities, including Silicon Valley. Let's be real here too. People are clearly using psychedelics, but there's still a lot of stigma and legal issues. And as with anything, there are positive and negative ways potentially to use them. One of the other things I noticed is that there's a lot of information out there and where it is, is often on podcasts for men. Obviously, today's episode is going to change all of that. This is probably as good a time as any to mention this is not the episode to listen to with your kids around. So if you've got little ones there, make sure you download, save this episode for later, because trust me, you don't want to miss it. This topic is new to me, but one that I was very curious about, I'm still very curious about, and I know a lot of you are too. So I brought in my lovely, wonderful friend, Jennifer Perea from the Bloom Institute to chat all things psychedelics and answer your questions. In this episode, you're going to hear what kinds of modern day challenges psychedelics can actually help with, from mental and body health to trauma. We talk about what psilocybin is and magic mushrooms and what it all means. Jennifer shares how therapeutic psychedelics, and specifically plant medicine, can be used for healing purposes and allow you to turn from surviving into thriving and vitality. We talk about how being present with trauma is a possible in a way that isn't traumatizing. We also learn about the difference between ceremony and microdosing, and even what the difference is between a guide and a trip sitter, concepts that I knew nothing about before this episode. Most importantly, we talk about if this is something you should consider, what are the reasons people work with these medicines, and what's possible on the other side of it. We also talk about integration and the importance of integration for true healing and why having a safe container for this healing is so essential for you. I'm going to warn you right now and invite you in because this is an incredibly open and deeply spiritual episode where we talk as women with our lived experiences and those we work with and the patterns we often see. You're going to hear us talk about things like what it's like for women and our often broken relationships with food the prevalence of anxiety and depression in today's society, burnout, and how it goes so far beyond just being tired. And it too is also increasingly all too common. We talk about self-care and honoring yourself beyond the Instagram narrative of some bubble baths for self-care. We touch on self-worth and the tie 
on how culturally we measure our self-worth based on our productivity and the doing. And that's where we get our validation from and how that leads to a whole lot of other issues and is a relationship we can work to heal as we reconnect to our self-worth. Our goal here is to provide information that is accessible and shared in a way that is uniquely feminine. Of course, my lawyer also wants me to tell you that drugs are still illegal. We are not encouraging you to do it, nor are we selling any kind of drugs. So mom, dad, everyone, we are not selling or encouraging you to do drugs. Hear me loud and clear. This is a very open, very frank discussion. And talking about this and witnessing is legal and okay. As with anything else, I encourage you always to do your own research and consult a medical professional. Remember this, that you are always your own best expert. I'm going to thank you in advance for coming to this episode with an open heart and an open mind. I hope you enjoy this. I hope you feel the transformation, even just listening and opening your heart to this brand new, big, exciting, and kind of scary topic. Welcome to the Golden Girls Podcast, where we believe you can have it all. I'm your host, Lisa Michaud, and I'm spilling tangible tips, goal-getting strategies, and real-life stories to inspire you to tackle your biggest dreams. You're a woman who knows you're made for more. Get ready to leave the excuses and self-doubt behind by being vulnerable, sharing your truth, and having honest conversations so you can succeed on your terms. Together, we'll set goals you'll actually achieve by staying motivated, having fun, and building a community of women empowering women. It's time to tap into your best self, get confident, and truly have it all. Golden Girl, let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to a super special and exciting episode of Golden Girls Podcast. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Hi, Lisa. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to have you here. So for those of you guys that don't know, Jennifer is the founder and program director of Bloom Institute, the world's first psychedelic space entirely for women, love it, uh, and powered by women too, which is so cool. Jennifer is a psilocybin and magic mushroom expert helping women to navigate their healing and personal leadership. She's advocating for the greatest possible potential within each of us. Jennifer helps put self-worth and net worth back into the hands and hearts, aligning health and wealth for the new age. Coolest bio ever. I love it. Thanks for being here. (laughs) Thanks, Lisa. I know we've got lots of juicy material to dive into today. We do. Okay. So let's just start with the most basic question because I was just saying this to Jennifer right before we hit record. I don't know a lot about psychedelics, about drugs. I was had to make sure I was saying psilocybin right. I still think I'm probably going to get it wrong at some point. But what are psychedelics? Like, yeah, what drugs are classified in this category? Can you give us a little bit of an intro to this whole topic? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So psychedelics is a term that we use to describe drugs or medicines or plants that create an altered state of consciousness. And so what that really means is that your perception and how you are um, understanding the outer landscape of the world around you from the inner landscape that's looking out is altered. So there's different types and classes of psychedelics. Um, Some of the more classic psychedelics that we hear about would be synthetics such as LSD or acid, uh, MDMA. In my realm, I'm working specifically with plant medicines. I think that ayahuasca is having a huge marketing moment. (laughs) We're hearing a lot about it, um, which I think is, you know, both fortunate and unfortunate. I'm not a huge fan of kind of the spiritual tourism that's happening around there. And and I'd love to touch on some of that today. But the, the plant that I'm in very deep relationship with is 
magic mushrooms. So mushrooms and psilocybin being the active component inside them. Okay. Thank you. And thank you for explaining what psilocybin is because mm. I did some research and I could not figure that out. So it's an, a component of the magic mushrooms. Right. Yeah. Uh, would you be open to sharing a little bit more about magic mushrooms specifically, you know, where they come from? Can I grow them? Like how does – I don't know anything about that. <laughs> I love that you want to cultivate them. That's beautiful. Here we go. I know. We're two minutes in and I'm already like, can I grow this? <laughs> yeah, this is great. Um, what's what's special about magic mushrooms and, and why I work with them specifically is that they're available on and they grow readily and easily on pretty much every continent on the planet. They've been found just about everywhere. And what's special about that is that it, it invites the possibility for every culture, every lineage, every person to work with them in their own way. So it's not um, a particular medicine as far as we know or what the research has shown that there is like one particular lineage that has really claimed the use of medicines. So they are considered a sacred medicine, but because you can find them everywhere, it also means that um, they interact with the consciousness of everywhere very well. In terms of you growing them, uh, yes, you can. There are home kits available. Uh, I just like just as a disclaimer for our, our listeners or viewers, you know, I'm not encouraging the the possession distribution or <laughs> possession of of illegal substances in any way. <laughs> so, you know, if you if you want to grow them, that's wonderful, you know, and and there are risks associated with doing that. But yes, you can you can definitely find kits online, or you know, if you put word on the street, everyone knows a friend that knows a friend that can get you some mushroom spores. I love it. And we are not those friends. That's what we're saying here. That's I love the disclaimer. Thank you for saying that. I will ditto. I will ditto everything that you said there. Thank you so much. Um, okay. So, I mean, it takes a certain amount of uh, courage to even come out and talk about this topic because there is a lot of stigma behind drugs in general, psychedelics. I mean, growing up, I only – I just never would have ever imagined that I'd be talking about magic mushrooms in a way that was um, where I know where this conversation is going to go about healing mm -hmm. and trauma and really reaching our potential. So where does the stigma come from and what allows you to move through that to do the work that you do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, stigma is, is fascinating, right? Because so much of it is predicated on our personal belief systems, our cultural conditioning, religious programming, you know, individual parenting styles. It's like there's so much that really colors our perspective and what individual stigma we hold against particular topics, but then also in our society, what we hold stigma towards. So just speaking to the North American landscape, we know that the war on drugs is, is a very real initiative that came out of the States. Um, and so, unfortunately, a lot of the really excellent research that was being done in the 50s and 60s when psychedelic research began to be pioneered, that was shut down because of the effect that street drugs were having on a lot of lower class and middle class populations. And so drugs, as they've been classified, have really just been stigmatized because of our inability as society to really um, help in a trauma-informed way what's going on with individuals that are turning to substances. And so that line has become very blurred between what's medicinal, what's recreational, um, and how to best create the right environments for them to be explored in. 
And I mean, if we look at the states, that's a populace of over 300 million people, right? Versus Canada, we've got 30 million. So we're probably in a better position as Canadians to set up a society that can bring in those types of structures and those types of mental health models to deal with addictions, you know, and creating real trauma-informed centers and services. But yeah, it just seems like things spun out of control a bit too fast and and we live in a control matrix inside our government and when they don't know what to do. And this is just like the anarchist in me just coming out that, you know, they'll clamp down with control, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So everything kind of got lumped into the same bucket of don't do this. This won't work. This mm-hmm. is not, this is illegal, frankly, the illegal bucket. Um, yeah. And now we're in a period of time where we're actually starting to question some of those things and starting to see, okay, it, how do we discern this? How do we discern between, I love what you said there, I think the medicinal purposes versus the recreational purposes or the ones, mm-hmm. you know, even on a more basic level, the way my <laughs> not expert brain on this thinks is like the, the way that you would use it that would serve you versus the way that it wouldn't serve you, the one that would um, help heal you versus harm you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so interesting because depending how far you've gone in the trauma-informed conversation, all of it is helping you even when it's harming you, right? So even recreationally or people that are suffering with addictions, there is a viewpoint now that that is still medicinal in a way because it's it's what the person needs. And if it's keeping them alive for another day, it's like, it's, it's our judgment. And as you said, the stigma that is really uh, putting a viewpoint on that that's negative. So I think having a harm reduction focus to the conversation is also really important. Mm, thank you for sharing that. That's really interesting. Well, I mean, we're in Vancouver, right? Our conversation here is is very liberal around the safe injection sites and, and just safe usage sites. And I think that's important and needed. So there's a lot of different ways to tackle the conversation, but also tackle the solutions. Um, you know, and... I'll just bring in the work of like Dr. Gabor Mate, for example, so that people have some real references that they can look at, like his entire school of thought. He runs a program for therapists and and holistic practitioners as well that is called Compassionate Inquiry. And, and the view and the research and study they've undertaken there is that addiction is generally a trauma response to a lack of connection. You know, and so when you start to build in connection and peer support and different models of support into the person's life and approach their trauma from that position, it's a whole different story. And just like the need that the body has on a physiological level to rely on that drug for dependency just goes away. But that's a whole, you know, that's a whole um, process. So I'm not against recreational drug use. I'm not a drug user myself. I don't have the impression that you are either. But if someone was fought, was doing that, I've really dropped all my judgment around that because now I just have such a different understanding of drug use. But in this instance, related to this conversation and relating to my work, we are talking about the plant Um, essence and spirit of magic mushrooms. We're working with the component of psilocybin and um, this is in a medicinal setting and a medicinal usage. So good. I mean, there. I feel like we could probably just talk for several hours, even just based on what you just said there. Um, and thanks for saying that. You know, I think it isn't so interesting how we start to peel back these layers of of our own judgment and of our society and and uncover these things. So I think already I'm like, wow, I feel like I'm going to go unpack and journal a lot of what you said there <laughs> there later. Um, 
So let's, I mean, there's a lot of different people that listen to this podcast and there's a lot of curiosity on this topic, but I think there's also a lot of skepticism and, you know, we'll say right here, right now, this is not going to be, we're not just going to be talking about the science and the research on this because you can Google a lot of it. Um, But Jennifer, would you be willing to share a couple of, for those people that like to see data, to like, that like to know, um, does this actually work? What's the efficacy? What, what, where could the medicinal use of these plants actually help or heal or uh, make a difference? Could you share some examples or thing, you know, some research or anything there that might help some of our, our data people? Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. So there are several large organizations globally that are undertaking clinical studies and trials that are approved by their um, health regulators, such as the FDA or Health Canada or in the state or sorry, in the UK. So you could literally type in psilocybin clinical trials and come up with data and results. There are papers, technical papers, MD peer-reviewed papers that are being put out with results. Um, where the research looks... Isn't that cool? I feel like we don't talk about that enough. That's cool. Yeah. That's really amazing. And we'll, we'll link to some of this stuff here below. And uh, yeah, I just like, that's cool. I feel like that's not even getting enough attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean... It is getting attention, but it isn't. And I'll touch on what the difference is in what I do and and what the clinical model is trying to accomplish. But um, I'm serving women in particular. And so where I'm seeing a lot of promise and where I pay attention to the data and the stats is around depression, around anxiety, around eating disorders, around relational trauma. We are finding heads or tails that people that are open to working with ineffable possibility in their life are seeing results that are dramatically and drastically heads and tails above what they're seeing in Western allopathic medicine, you know, like way improved. <laughs> I I want to be very careful in not quoting any particular statistics, but the data and the research is there for people in our audience that want it, you know, just search clinical trials and you will find it. And you can go into these particular topics and you'll find different papers as to the published studies and the the trials and the research are actually ramping up now like this is the most exciting time it's not like you're looking at things from the 60s and 70s because that's when a lot of the research was shut down so you will be seeing up-to-date current information relevant to the woman of today you know or man obviously with, with with current data so that that is available to us. That's so cool. Yeah, and I'll link to some of that below as well. Um, I know for me, that was something. It was a bit of an access point to see. Okay, it's really amazing to see the results that psilocybin is actually having. What how it's able to Mm -hmm. some of the things that I'll I'll share. You know, below um, how much more effective than antidepressant medication it's been in some cases, and um, in terms of clearing addiction. So there's some really uh, incredible stuff. We'll link to it below in the show notes. I'm like pointing below here, even though you guys can't all see me if you're listening, but uh, we'll make sure there's some studies there too, because I know some people love to love to see that. Um, mm-hmm. And you also had an interesting perspective, I think, Jennifer, around, you know, not not only focusing on research. Are, are you opening to, open to sharing why you don't just focus on numbers and statistics and research here? Absolutely. And I think we could spend like the next hour of the podcast just on this. Are you available so- for the next week to just chat? Is that, how's your schedule? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Club. I don't know if you're familiar with the app Clubhouse, but there's rooms in there right now where their conversations are happening for like days at a time, and they'll just pass on the moderator task to whoever's in the room, and they've been having these conversations for 48, 72 hours. Um, I make no secret about the fact that I'm a medical intuitive. Okay, so 
a lot of my work is spiritually based. I'm working with intuition and intention and being an advocate for women's whole health and the holistic view of the entire person. So what we have available to us right now in the average therapist's office or the average doctor's office is a very cognitive conversation. So they're addressing, to use depression as, and as an example, they're addressing depression as a chemical imbalance in the brain. I'm not saying I don't believe that. I'm saying that that's not the only possibility or the only approach for what could be going on. So working with me or working with the Bloom Institute, you're going to be approaching that conversation with a practitioner from let's look at your whole life, the entire narrative of who you think you are as a woman, situationally what's going on for you, the traumas that you've been through, your nutritional profile. I want to get into your GI tract and understand your gut microbiome and your nutritional relationship like immediately. Those are things we need to know. So getting into like the gut brain connection where we know that a lot of depression actually resides and starts in our gut. Um, so that is, those are some of the things that highlight what the difference is, right? It's, I, I, and this is fascinating too, right? I'm not against the Western medical system. I'm here, like I'm a resident of Vancouver as, as you are and, and a local practitioner, but I also so serve women globally. And so part of that has also been seeing what are differences in medical systems internationally. And now that I've worked with hundreds of women's, I, I just have so much information as to how they want to be served, what's missing, how we can fill the gaps. And living in your head and solving every problem logically just doesn't address the whole body and reality of what composes a person. It just doesn't quite go deep enough. And for women, especially um, estrogen driven beings, I'm going to say, cause I want to leave gender out of it. It's not a female identification. It's, it's being a woman. We know that there's a lot of feelings <laughs> and that feelings mm -hmm. and hormones are also cyclical and, and we're following a cyclical pattern in our being that is tied to the environment around us. So there's, there's lots there that you just are not going to get in your 10 minute appointment at the doctor's office. It, it, the, the healthcare system just isn't set up to provide that level of attention and care and detail. Um, and if it, if it does, or if you have a practitioner that's able to go that deep with you, that's an absolute blessing, but you know that you're doing that work over the span of many months versus, you know, we've got a program that's four to six weeks where, where you're in and you're out. Am I saying it's a golden bullet? Is it the absolute answer to everything? No, I want that to be really clear for our audience that this is an opening of perception and a healing that can set you in the right direction in your life and with proper integration that you can make real actual solid changes or um, go into like a complete recovery of whatever it is that you're dealing with. But that's not to say that you're never going to feel triggered again or that you're never going to be unwell again. Like you still have to be a human <laughs> and have human experiences yeah. outside of them. Um, you're just on a, a deeper path of devotion to self and understanding the nature of this reality that provides you with real tools and moving through it in, in a much more easeful way. Yeah. So good. I, I love what you shared. Like it's, I mean, I, I think a really good question is just, you know, if, if West, and I'm also not against Western medicine, but if Western medicine was a several bullet, we wouldn't 
have the health crises that we do have today. So mm-hmm. I that's why I love having these conversations. That's why I'm so enjoying learning from you. And I know we're going to continue to learn from you um, and why I think it's important to have these conversations, especially as women. I mean, even if you look at it from a very logical perspective, most of the research on health is not done on women. It's done on men. And, mm-hmm. it, and we don't even need that. We don't need that proof, by the way, to show that it's not working. We just need to ask ourselves and say, like, how do I feel? And for a lot of women, we do struggle with anxiety or, or depression, whether it's ongoing or continual. We There's huge rates for us of burnout and exhaustion. And so we don't even have to look at the studies to tell us that there's a problem. We can just look and listen to ourselves and say, wow, this actually isn't working for me or this isn't what I want. Um, and so I love that we're being able to be open and have these conversations about what else might be able to help us out. Where else might we be, what, might we be served better? Where else can we learn and grow and heal in ways that we're not getting currently right now. Right. And and if you don't mind, I'd like to add to that, you know, you used silver bullet and I said gold bullet. Yes. <laughs> and the I said gold bullet is because I think that's that's the standard that I'd like things to be at and that I found that working with next level healers and practitioners has enabled me access to. And in conjunction with the Western medical system, in conjunction with allopathy, that's how I now have like an entire um, healthcare framework that's available to me and that we make accessible to our clients. But it's the, it takes a village type of model where I'm not cutting out the doctor. I'm not cutting out the therapist. We work with them and we make plans that involve them and include them, you know, and here's additional support around the gaps. Love it. Oh, so good. Okay. So in your experience and your opinion, what types of problems can psychedelics when used correctly, <laughs> what kinds of problems can they help people with? Oh, gosh. I think everything under the sun. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, we've touched on anxiety and depression. And I'll go back there because I think that's a real um, major, major crisis in our society is an anxiety, depression. Big time. We are anxious and depressed at rates that are unheard of. That could simply be because we didn't have data or or units of measurement to collect prior, but we do see that that's happening, um, not just COVID related and not just pandemic related, but just in general. So it is an absolute wonderful place to start for, for these two ailments because you are going so much deeper than just addressing the symptoms. We're really looking at root causes. So addictions as well, as we said, and addictions come in many forms. So let's go there, right? Sex addiction, shopping, credit, uh, food. Food is huge. Lisa, I there's not one woman that I've worked with that doesn't have a, how do I put this, a relationship with food that couldn't use some improvement. So I've seen it all, right? Like wow. Anorexia and bulimia, right to that level of extreme. But even in just like a normal, healthy, happy, functioning person that's still undertaking the psychedelic type of work, they really see that there's room for improvement. So our relationship with food is a huge. Oh, I I believe that. Oh yeah, yeah. It's so interesting that you bring that up. That's uh, uh, really recently something that I've noticed that my relationship with food, I've never thought of it as being, you know, disordered mm-hmm. eating. But uh, as I'm exploring and just being, I think having. COVID happened just makes things a lot quieter and gives a lot more spaciousness. And I've been realizing how my relationship with food is also broken in some ways. So that's really fascinating that you just brought that up because that's a recent 
aha that I've had of, wow, you know, I think I eat so well or I have a great relationship with food or I haven't struggled with certain things. And I don't mean that in like a, I'm better. It just means that it hasn't been something I've necessarily, you know, struggled with until I really opened my eyes and realized, oh no, Lisa, you still struggle. You still have lots of struggles here. So um, I wonder how many other women, and clearly a lot, if all the women that you've worked with also struggle with it. I've not undertaken, um, so a physical in-person journey, an online virtual journey support package or a microdosing support package where the relationship with food hasn't come up. So I think it's really important to address that every woman can can relate to this, that our relationship with food is comes up for review when you're under that lens. Um, the other thing there, I mean, depending how spiritual we want to get, I'm very spiritual and I don't know if this is a family friendly show or not, but I'm just going there. Really, the relationship with food is a representation of how we digest life. Notice how I didn't ask for permission. I just claimed, I'm like, by the way. <laughs> yeah, so our, our relationship with food is representative of how we digest life because food is life force itself. It gives us energy. It has a nutritional profile. And so what does that really mean, right? Language matters here. What's a nutritional profile? There's nutrients inside the food. There's, there's energy available inside it that is going to power our cells. And when we're in rejection of that and craving the salt or craving the sugar or craving comfort food and following our cravings, we know that there's an imbalance because a, a healthy vital person. And I speak about vitality a lot. That's one of my goals and all of the work that I do is especially women that are um, struggling and like stuck in the vanity matrix, <laughs> stuck on Instagram, stuck in comparison, going from vanity to vitality. Mm -hmm. So what does a woman radiating vitality feel like? Not what does she look like? I don't care what she looks like. She's going to automatically look great because of the life force that she's putting in her body. So a lot of this centers around emotional work, emotional trauma, and then addressing that depression and anxiety because we are changing the chemical profile of what your brain is releasing based on the food you're putting in, based on the emotional work that you're doing as a result. Um, so, th so there's a lot here, like just the one thing, like if someone came to me just for an eating disorder, just that one thing is we could compile an entire program around that. Wow. Okay. So lots of different things that can be helped with. Mm -hmm. I also want to bring, you know, some fun and playfulness and, and light to this conversation around the expansion that's possible because I'm serving a lot of visionaries and people that are extremely creative. So women that run businesses are founders of something or want to be, they have a brand, they've got great ideas, they want to write a book and they just feel blocked they just don't can't access that creative fire or that piece. So I help a lot of women like that because once they have the opening or access the deeper recesses of their psyche, then they can move through whatever the thing is and the book writes itself or the brand just it's becomes like an effortless creative flow that you almost can't help but follow it like the inspiration comes back, but it's all related to getting your health back to center, right? When you're really centered in the body and, and emitting that vitality, the creative channel and your creative roof just like blows right off. Like it's, it's incredible what happens. And these are the people that I get very, very, very excited to serve because as a light worker and people are like, what the heck's a light worker? We're moving through so much shadow and darker parts of, um, 
our minds, our bodies, and our spirit in order to get there. And my goal is to have as many women as possible lit up around this planet. And so the creative visionary or the woman who is interested in helping others and really being in her purpose and being on purpose, her ability to affect society at large by doing her own personal development is so much enhanced that I feel like that's the real way to create change and mega impact is to affect the many by affecting the one. So by going really deep with one woman, we can get to 10 or a hundred or a thousand people versus, you know, treating a thousand people at a very surface level. Mm, so powerful. So what does it actually look like, you know, to, when you say you're treating these women and you're going deep with them, what does that look like? You know, yeah, I don't even know where it would start. Like, is there, is there dancing? Is there meditation? Is it journaling? Like, what is it? What, you've, oh, tell me all the things. Please let there be dancing. <laughs> always be dancing. Um, so I've taken what is being done in the clinical model and replicated it times a thousand for what I think would make a woman feel incredible. So what I mean by that is we are going through all the stages of what any Western medical practitioner would move you through. And so what that looks like is, you know, I will meet you or the practitioners inside the Bloom Institute, because I should also like inform that it's not just me. There's, there's a beautiful team that makes all this happen. Um, we will meet you and have a fit just for energy and, and how do we vibe and, and what is it that you want to do? What are you up to in the world? And just assess the fit and this modality. Then we would go through an intake process. So an actual formality, we'll have a, a 90 minute to two hour interview where I collect and compile an entire client profile of what's going on for this person. So we build the narrative. So I want to know family health history, your health history. Have you done any personal development before? What kind? What medications are you on? So we can research the profile of that and ensure that the interactions are safe. Um, your peer support group. Do you, do you have friends? What are those relationships like? What are relationship with mom and dad like if they're in the picture? Um, primary relationship if you're in a romantic relationship. Career. So we spend a lot of time to really get to know the individual. And that intake process is what helps us determine if we're going to work together. So you, right there, you're already spending a few hours with someone inside Bloom to really understand, is this for you? If it is, mm. then we're going to do some preparation. So we're going to really get into the nuts and bolts of what journeying looks like and the actual tangible what's going to happen on the day process. Um, then you are going to have your VIP experience, which is a whole morning till night journey experience that includes many special magical things <laughs> and some not so special magical things. It dancing? Be, is there dancing? <laughs> if you want there to be dancing, there is dancing. Uh, yeah, we create every single experience is custom tailored to the woman, right? So it's like what would make her feel really good and safe and secure on a day where she's surrendering and releasing all control, maybe for the first time in her life at that level. So we create an environment that is really conducive to that happening. And I have an incredible space with an unbelievable view. I call it the glass castle in the sky. So you've got the mountains to the north. You can see the ocean. So you're interacting with nature and you have all the elements, but you're kept very safely contained inside, you know, behind the glass so that um, 
we can just work with you in a way that is, is more safe. After that, the real work happens. So you think you've put in all this effort and then integration occurs. And integration mm. is the key. After your ceremony, my hope is that you've come out and you've witnessed you know, a number of things and had some real tangible uh, awakenings or awarenesses come up for you. That it's, it's understood without question that ceremony is every day after the ceremony because you'll have such a deep respect and renewed understanding for yourself as an individual, for how important it is that you're on the planet. Sorry, did you mean integration is every day after the ceremony? No, I mean ceremony is every day after the ceremony. Okay. So the sacredness of your life and the divinity that's possible for you just in moving through every single day boring motions will come up for you in the journey. Like you'll understand how important your existence is. It's very rare that a woman would journey that deeply at that level and not get with extreme clarity how much their life force is required as part of this greater whole. Like you just can't not respect yourself or love yourself or be in right relationship with yourself after that, unless, you know, you're really moving through something that is just making it too difficult to access that level of knowing. But in general, in general, that's the type of knowing that you're coming out there with. So integration, what's integration? That is where you are integrating or bringing back into your real life, all of the things that you've learned and taking real and concrete action steps and making plans to improve, up-level, upgrade, accept. Sometimes there's nothing to fix. Be in greater levels of acceptance, have more compassion. And so we're building in practices to really anchor the learning for you. You've brought up dancing several times. Obviously, you just want to dance. All the time. So right away, I'd be like, Lisa, how are we incorporating the dance? Yeah. What is it? Is it a daily movement? Is it a class? Is it an investment in yourself? Is it like, what does that look like? And taking it more seriously, right? So not just the bubble bath self-care. It's like, no, these are non-negotiables that are clearly going to contribute to your vitality. Now that you've understood the self-love and and self-respect piece, we're anchoring these in as non-negotiable for you going forward. Mm. So really creating deep plans and deeper things, right? We brought up the dancing and that's fun, but it could mean a career change. It could mean relationship changes. Like we go really deep with, you know, just depending what women need and what they're trying to accomplish. So you're getting at least three sessions of integration with me or your practitioner, at least three, right? So the equivalent of seeing a therapist three times after. Wow. That's incredible. So this is very different than, and I'm trying to figure out how to word this in a way that without the judgment, but like recreationally, you would take a, I'm like, I'm, I don't, don't do drugs. Uh, so I'm like, is it called a hit? I don't even know if is, you take a hit of something. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I was going to say somebody messaged me, but I actually don't really need to know what it's called. But you know, like you don't just like take the drug and then things change in your life and, you know, depression is gone or anxiety is gone or burnout is gone and you love yourself. Like that's not how this works. It is a tool. It's part of a journey and experience, um, like learning that you have to evolve through. Is that, am I understanding that right? That is beautiful how you put that. (laughs) Thank you for that. That's exactly it because that's what brings the respect back into the, the medicine component of this. And these are medicines. 
and and they require our effort and our participation. That's, you know, again, I keep saying like, I don't know how spiritual you want to get, but I know how spiritual I want to get. And inside this matrix and inside our society, we have to make ourselves known, right? We have to make ourselves known to our healthcare practitioners, to our friends, to our family, to reach out, whether we're struggling or not struggling. And so it's a two-way communication and a communion that needs to happen with the medicine because you're still approaching it from a codependent place if you want to just take a hit, quote unquote, as you said, and just hope that you're going to be helped. I mean, hope is just a wish. I don't work with hope. I'm working with leaders that are unwavering in their faith. Mm. Oh, that's good. (laughs) I like that. So can we talk about burnout here for a minute? Because I feel like that is something. I mean, we're recording this in 2021, uh, so we know that burnout is very real through the pandemic. But I think, uh, you know, we've, even without the pandemic, there's been a trend, just as we talked about anxiety and depression and, and eating disorders, there's also been a trending upwards of burnout, especially for women. So what does that look like? You know, have mm-hmm. is that something that you you help women with? You know, what are the – what does that look like uh, related to burnout? I help women with burnout – I'm not going to say probably more than anything else, but a lot. And I'm very, very familiar with it and have a relationship with it because that's how I got here myself. Mm. Let's hear the story. Yeah, we hear about burnout and we wonder what that is. And we think that it's someone being tired. And I also, I think that the word burnout doesn't even really do justice to what's actually going on inside the human system. Burnout is that you have literally burnt out the glands that produce the hormones that keep you functioning well. So they are depleted and they actually cannot produce the chemicals that you need to be functioning. So you have burnt them out. (laughs) And so it's not just I'm tired today. It's I am tired for the last six months and probably will be for the next six months. And just swinging your feet off the side of the bed is exhausting. So yes, I would say that burnout is very, very rampant, not just during this pandemic, but we are struggling with it as women and and societally because the need, the colonial need for validation in terms of what we produce and that our, our worth is in our production and in our doing is very high. And so if I can bring decolonization into the conversation, When we're in right relationship with our body, with the land, with people, with our medicines, with our food, our being is already more than enough. And it's, it is really actually the, the self-actualization and the highest you can realize in terms of your own potential and capacity is, is being a whole being and creating and moving through society from that place. So especially for women, I mean, I could go in a hundred different directions with this, this constant doing and, and productivity and, and the physical and emotional labor that we're undertaking to produce a result or produce a task or do the job or serve the client or go to work or drop kids off. That's forward moving motion and action. And that is a testosterone driven type of uh, stimulus <laughs> that that's moving us through um, our body and through the environment around us. And so that's very tiring to be doing things all the time. It's not how women are are best set up. So I'm not to say never do anything again. 
of course, we're, we're doing all the times and you can actually become much more high functioning and, and higher achieving when you're in right relationship with the body. But it starts with the being. And we disrespect our beings culturally. We disrespect our being in very fundamental ways. So yeah, burnout, um, burnout is a very real thing, but it's not, again, silver bullets and gold bullets. There's not just one thing that's going to get you onto the other side of it. It's it's a lot of things, right? And and I'd love to hear your experience with this as well. But for me, it was the food. It was greater levels of rest. It was greater levels of play. It was greater levels of productivity. Um, I needed to have spiritual outlets. I needed to have a different career outlet. There was a lot of shifts that had to happen. My burnout was very, very severe. So I, I have faced my mortality. That's how serious this was for me. And what got me to do something as, as entering the, the psychedelic field and, and looking for alternatives because I've done it all in terms of the Western medicine and what was available and it did not work. I had relief. I could get help. I was on my feet again, but I wasn't the vibrant Jennifer that I remembered, you know? So it's like severe weight loss, um, major mm-hmm. vomiting just from the level of cortisol and adrenaline that I was pumping from the level of anxiety that I was experiencing and things started to shut down. <laughs> They really did. And, and it became very serious. So I know burnout very, very well. I know burnout very well. And I, we are at Bloomer very well equipped to have that conversation and bring, wow. whether it's just our team or bring in other practitioners to, to help support that and get you on the right path. And quickly and easily and not making it hard. It's hard enough. It is. It is. And I, I like what you said about it being many things. I think that I would agree with that as far as my experience. I think for the most part, I've always had a you know a ton of energy and vitality. I feel like that's absolutely what I've been in the last year has definitely taken. I mean, the last three years has kind of been like a slow downward drain. And the last year especially has been like a I, – I, I'm kind of like – I guess I'm like an iPhone. Like it works okay the first couple years and then, you know, you slowly starts to not work as well. And then the third year, it's like, okay, now I just seriously need a new one. And that, that's kind of how I felt the last couple years. Um And I think, you know, as I've been, as I really realized this, or I would say over the holidays, it was like, okay, this like really isn't working. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's lots of different pieces to it. And I I love what you said around spiritual outlets and fun. Like that's actually one of the things I really realized um, is that if I want to have more life in me, and we've talked about Mm -hmm. a little bit about life force energy, I realized I needed more things that gave me life, that I could not always just give life, that I also needed to get life, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And so that's like something that I've been kind of integrating more in the last, uh, you know, six to eight weeks even, that's been making a really big difference. And part of it's been, you know, reading reading books that I just really enjoy, uh, Murder Mysteries in case you're wondering. Um, And other parts parts of it and like eating really good food or going mm. for like a happy hour by myself, just enjoying that moment to having, just having more fun and, uh, you know, sledding this weekend with my daughter and mm. laughing, tickling, like just things that give me life in a really cool way. So yeah, I, I love that you, I think it is holistic as far as what it takes to recover from those really big things. And I didn't, I wouldn't say that I had it, I don't not that it's a comparison game here. Um, but my burnout did not get – I didn't wasn't making myself sick, but I was just tired, very, very, very tired. And I'm still working on, on coming out of that. So, yeah, I appreciate what you shared there. Thank you for sharing your experience. And I think it's really – it's so amazing that you've t- taken that 
and did the integration on so many levels for yourself and are now helping others do it too. Mm-hmm. Really cool. I'd like to touch on what you just shared there at the end. Like chronic, chronic fatigue is a real thing. Chronic fatigue is a real thing. A lot of people are suffering from this and we just don't have the vocab or we don't have the tools to really be able to measure what's going on, what's causing it. And there's a lot of different ways that we're imbalanced and a lot of things causing the imbalances. Yeah, you don't have to have all the way like having burnt out your adrenal glands to be experiencing chronic fatigue. Chronic fatigue is a sign that you're headed in that direction. That's what I realized at the end of, in like December. Yes. I was like, okay, this is where I can see the trajectory of this. One of my strengths is strategic, which sounds very like mine, but it's also um, just being able to understand where we're going. And I, I felt that fatigue and I was like, okay, I know the direction I'm going in. I don't like that direction. This is not the direction I want to go in. It like, let's re-steer this ship and go a different direction. So yeah, so good. Um, okay. Here's a question for you. This is obviously, I mean, this still, I would not say is mainstream. There's still a lot of people, even when I posted this on social media, there was a lot of people that were like, yeah, not for me. Or a lot of people that were, you know, very curious, but didn't know where to go to start getting information. Um, how does some, how, if somebody's listening to this, how do you know if this is right for you? And why is it important to not just do this because it's trendy or because it's hot or because it's, you know, because Lisa and Jen are not telling you to do this. Again, disclaimer here. <laughs> Please don't do this because it's trendy or it's hot. While I hope that we're on a medical revolution, I don't ever want it to be trendy or hot. Um, The next wave and the future of healthcare is important. Why? Why? Because um, I think our health is more than a fad. And I think that really reduces the beauty and the sanctity of, of what we actually are as people and what's possible for us when we reduce what's our possibility to a fad or a trend. Like I'm more than a passing trend and I'm not just a visionary. I'm a revolutionary. Like I know what I'm here doing. There's nothing trendy about this. Like the wave that we're making is long lasting. Mm, That's cool. Revolutionary. Yeah. It's like no time to waste. (laughs) No time to waste. Yeah. Yeah. No time to waste. So this is an important question. I, I, I love this question. Psychedelics are, for everyone, but they're not just for anyone, if that makes sense. Yes. You want to really feel safe and secure. You want to be well-informed and researched that for your own biology, that for your family history, that your medical history, where you've been and where you're going, that it's a fit. There really is no need to try this as a fad. I mean, some people have never been to a chiropractor. Some people never been to a naturopathic doctor. Like those are healthcare alternatives that are legitimized. They have colleges and, and medical systems of, of practice and they're recognized. But that doesn't mean that that's for everyone. So it, I would say that psychedelics and where we're going with the psychedelic healthcare revolution would be the same thing. It's still for who it's for. And I think that's great because we want to fill and close as many gaps as we can. How do you know if it's for you? That's adding another tool to the tool belt. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. The question of how do you know if it's for you is a little trickier, but it's also the easiest thing ever. Because again, on the spiritual side of things, the medicine calls you, right? There's like a quote, like, let yourself be pulled by that which delights you. Or I'm butchering like a beautiful roomy quote. It's like there's a mystery that just pulls you forward in life. And 
when we're drawn by what we're called, it's usually there's something very magical or greater possibility on the other side of that. So while we're waiting for mainstream adoptions, you are going to have the visionaries, the leaders, and the curious, the ever more curious, who want to learn and see what this is about. Mm. But generally, if I could, I'm just going to speak for mushrooms because that's my medicine. Um, mushrooms find you. It's really cute as humans we're just so adorable that we think that we have found the medicine mushrooms find you it's your time it's your place your healing is bringing you forward because the way mushrooms work the mycelium in them and mushrooms belong to a mycelial network under the ground just like um Trees in the forest, there's like an entire underground network of their roots. Mushrooms are the same thing. So underneath the soil, under the water table, there is a mycelial network. And it's like a giant brain of circuitry that is exchanging data and information. When you are ready to be put through the mycelial compost, (laughs) all of your trauma, your stories, everything that's happened to you, through you, is processed through that mycelial network. We're leaving an imprint in the space-time continuum and away you go. So you are you are actually being consumed by the mushroom in data collection. And I understand this might be way out there for the audience, but I know that there's always that key listener whose eyes are wide open and, and ears are wide open and heart is wide open that this piece will speak to where it's like you're really ready to be a change maker and you're just done with the story that you're telling yourself of, of all the reasons that you can't. And so letting that go, it's like, where are you giving that to? Right. Some people will say, give it to God. If you don't believe in God, what's next? So give it back to the earth, give it to the plants, like be supported by a medicine. You know, I, one of the things I think is so cool about, you know, being in Vancouver, about having a podcast about, you know, just life is having these conversations with people like you. I mean, there's so many things that I feel like I'll probably listen to this episode in a couple of years and be like, oh, yes, I get all of it now. Whereas now I'm like, I forget like about 98%. As people might be like, mm, I'm getting about 10, 15. But that's one of the most beautiful things. Like that's so great to listen to different perspectives and different. Uh, I love the new ideas you're sharing in different ways that I've never thought about, you know, the, the mushroom root system and how we are so connected to that. I think it's really beautiful and it's important for all all of us to be open to different conversations and different ways of people thinking. Our society, I think, is becoming scarily divided. And I just want us to all open our hearts and our minds mm. and to just do more listening to other people's ways of seeing and thinking and feeling. That's, that's how we're going to bring things back together is by opening and listening. So um, thank you for opening yourself up, mm. Jennifer, and sharing something that is, you know, it's a radical. I'm like, I, I don't understand it all. And I'm okay for that. And I want that. And I want to learn more. Um, and I hope people listening, I hope you guys can feel the same way too about anything that, whether it's on this episode, whether it's a conversation with a friend, anything you read online, that we can just remember to open up to these things and to different perspectives in different ways and, you know, see what resonates and see what we can learn from other people's perspectives. So, so beautiful. Thank you. Do you feel like you have time to touch on one more thing? Are you serious? I have like 80 more questions. Yes, go. Cool. <laughs> okay. Well, cool. I'm, I'm watching the time um, on my end. And if you would like to ask your next question, please go ahead. But I want to make sure that we don't skip over microdosing. That was my I, next I question. Microdosing versus ceremony because microdosing is also having a moment, I think. 
I don't want to say, I don't want to say, I don't mean that in terms of a fad, but I believe it's, you know, it's coming to the surface. So yeah, what is microdosing? How is it compare versus ceremony? Tell me, mm. tell us all the things. Yeah, I would say that microdosing would be like the average lay person's access or way in the door to this type of healing. So what is microdosing? It's you are taking a dose of psilocybin, so of the medicine that isn't a micro size. So it's been measured out into a very minuscule micro size that you would ingest. Um, and the, the feeling or the being on a microdose is at the subperceptible level. So what that subperceptible is below the subconscious and that you cannot perceive it. In real world terms, that means you can drive a car, look after your child, do your work, and you would not feel or know that you were on it. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it, it what's really interesting about it is how it's being used now and researched in place of traditional and conventional medicines. So a lot of women on anti-anxiety or depression medication will come to me wanting to wean off it and will use microdosing um, in place. And one of the reasons for that is because microdosing stimulates brain neurogenesis. And what's neurogenesis? It's the actual growth of new nerve endings and brain cells. So your brain, even though you're an adult and we think that we're fully formed, you can actually grow new brain matter. And it's a matter of um, feeding it the right nutrition. And it's been found that mushrooms, not just psilocybin, actually, I'm going to talk about functional and medicinal mushrooms, have this incredible ability to stimulate nerve growth, nerve ending growth and brain cells. So that's the number one reason to do it is, is brain neuroplasticity, growing the brain. What it also does is it brings emotions to the forefront. And that's happening because the perceptive pathways, the pathway in the brain that controls your perception is being hit when you're on psilocybin. So whatever's lurking under the surface is more readily accessible for you to process. And you can process it in just your everyday emotions versus like waiting for the really deep trauma to come through and that like once a month therapist appointment that you want to go to. And now you've had this big fight with your partner. It's like, what if we could heal and examine or just as we're driving our car throughout our day, notice that we are thinking about the same old thing in a completely different way? What if? So that's really what's magical about microdosing. Um, it's extremely safe. You want to set yourself up what we call a protocol. And, and this is, pro I'd say this is probably Bloom's like most popular offering. And this is something that's available globally because you can do this virtually is working with a medical intuitive such as myself or other practitioners to help you stay on track for like 30 days, 45 days, 90 days, where you have an actual program and you're, you're checking in on a regular basis. You know what to track. You give yourself like a really easy system of numbered ratings throughout the day on, on different emotional and physical scales. We work with you on the nutrition so that at the end of it, you can actually measure a result Versus here you go, like here's a bag of mushrooms, good luck with that. You've got everything measured out, the, the dosing is correct, and you know daily what you should be doing. Wow. Okay. So it, microdosing is not something that you would necessarily do forever. No. And it's not like a multivitamin that you take every day or vitamin T that you take. It would be for a specific period of time, a more extended period of time than a one-day ceremony. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And much smaller doses. Yes. Okay. So it doesn't – this would not create like – 
and maybe this is maybe another kind of question, but like in microdosing, you can still quote function or still go about your normal daily activities. Whereas when you're in ceremony, do you have hallucinations? Is that that's great? I know nothing. (laughs) Great. Yeah, this is great. The ceremonial experience is very different, and that's what's called a macro dose. So we're taking a very big dose, and and my clients specifically are going on what's called a hero's journey. So uh, Dr. Joseph Campbell pioneered the term the hero's journey. So hallucinations is one way of putting it. You might experience hallucinations. You probably won't. You know, things are going to look and, and seem a bit different, but that's the point. It's interesting because the word hallucination like implies a psychosis of sorts. <laughs> and all use of psychedelics is inducing a psychosis, but not in the way that we're used to in the movies or in mainstream narrative. There's no like that 70s show type of silliness that's going on. Um, it's very subdued and controlled. You're laying on a bed or laying on a couch or doing some light yoga stretching with me. Like you're not going wild type thing. Like the walls aren't peeling off. There's no monsters in the fridge. It's nothing like that. Got it. Okay, cool. Thanks for sharing that. So interesting. And I know I don't, I'm going to get the words wrong. And it's so interesting too, to unpack the layers of, you know, where's the judgment show up or where does the stigma show up in some of these words even? And how do we talk about that and open it up so that we can understand what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. So I love what you said there. And I wish I, we're going to have to get that quote graphic of it. Like it lo- things will look different. And that's the point. Exactly. <laughs> that is the point. Like the point is to change things, to shift things, to open up your perspective, mm-hmm. to access parts of your, your brain, your body, your memory, all of those things that you normally don't. That's, that's the point of it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, th- and that's why there's a readiness component that's that's involved in it, right? Because it is really different than than taking some mushrooms and being at a festival or enjoying things recreationally. Um, you had pulled a very beautiful card before we had started our conversation, and I'd love for our audience to see it. And for those that can't see this visually, the card says intention is everything. Intention is everything. So we're being very intentional in our movements and creating, I say this very often in my practice, we're creating the conditions for healing. So if you were just going to be having like wild hallucinations and experiencing something that you would um, associate with being in a psych ward, no, I'm not going to be putting women into that state or creating that type of environment. We're really creating something that has a lot of beauty for them. Amazing. Okay. I know you've probably got to run. I have so many more questions. We're going to have to figure out if we need to do like another episode or if we're going to do a live together. Because um, I still want to know – I still have so many questions okay. for you. What is um, questions? Favorites? We can blitz through this. Come on. It's us. Can you blitz? Okay. Let's blitz through some. Okay. Um, is there a best time of day? I'm assuming this question came from our audience. I'm assuming it's more around microdosing. Is there a certain time of day that's better than others? Yeah. So if you're microdosing, I would say in the morning or starting your day with it. The reason for that is that you, again, intention is everything. So you want to incorporate incorporate your microdosing into a ritual ritual of some sort. So whether it's like that first sip of your morning coffee or tea, or you're putting it into your smoothie, then it's got all day to kind of percolate and for you to really feel the effects or, or notice the effects, I should say. Amazing. Okay. What about risks? I mean, there's definitely, as with everything, there are always risks. And I've heard, for example, from people who have done ayahuasca that have vomited or been incredibly sick, mm-hmm. I guess magic mushrooms is, is your medicine. What are the risks there? 
are we going to vomit? Uh, <laughs> at least the walls are not going to peel down. <laughs> what What are some of the risks here? Yeah, so purging is, is definitely not usually associated with um, psilocybin usage at all. You might feel very lightly nauseated. It's unusual, but you might. And the reason for that is because mushrooms and just the fibers of them are not the easiest thing for our gut to break down, but it's also what makes them really potent. In terms of actual risk, and I can be statistical on this piece, uh, mushrooms are the least addictive and least harmful substance on the planet. And that's another reason that I gravitated towards them when I first started down this path in 2013. Also just for context for our listeners as to how long I've been involved in this realm and, and on this path. You know, as I mentioned before, I'm not a drug user in any capacity. So the risk profile was very important to me. I had never done a drug in my life ever. Like I'm from beautiful British Columbia and I had not enjoyed even weed until I was 34. So it's just like, I'm not a drug user. It's just not part of my personality and zero judgment towards drug use. But in terms of the actual risk here, this is a very low risk activity. Having said that, that's not to say that relational or trauma type risks aren't present because they are. And this is where having a well-informed guide really can make all the difference and understanding the difference between a trip sitter and a guide. Ooh, what is that? Yeah, this, this is a juicy one. And I feel like we could record a whole other podcast on just this. Um, so the, a trip sitter is kind of like a babysitter. And I, I really don't mean that in a derogatory way. Going on a trip is often what we will associate using mushrooms recreationally with. So a trip sitter is someone that is sitting with you while you're having your experience. So it's just someone that's there to make sure that you are physically safe. Got it. And if anything goes wrong, would they then call for help or something like that? Is that kind of what the intention is? God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, I'm just like, well, like, do they like do crafts with you? Like <laughs> the intention really is there just for safety is what yeah, I'm hearing. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is the thing, right? Why it's it's very important that you set yourself up in a setting that is conducive for healing if you're doing this for healing purposes. Just want to trip with your friends and see where the day takes you. That's one thing. Working with a guide and being intentional is a whole other type of experience. And that's where we get into calling it a journey. So a guide is someone guiding your journey or walking alongside you into all of the, of the different portals and pathways that you may find yourself on or in. So they are experienced in traversing the realms they are typically trauma-informed. They can speak a language, whether it's through feelings, sound, taste, sight, touch, that can help process and is culturally sensitive, racially sensitive. So they know how to be in the container with you. Depending how wild things get for you, there might be entity removal you might be speaking in different languages. You may be doing ancestral healing or having very deep memories of your ancestors or conversations with them. A lot of people's grandmothers come up, <laughs> especially those families that in, in their current lifetime experienced war. It's very common to have conversations with your ancestors. 
So a guide is really a whole other, like it's like a next level type of companion <laughs> and they're experienced in this and, and they can be with you no matter what comes up, not just physically keeping you safe, but emotionally creating a container that is safe physically and spiritually creating a container that's safe. Mm. I got chills up my spine and all the way down my arms as you talked about that, just all the ancestral stuff and just how powerful it's, it's incredible. I hear, I hear the difference and I don't, it, you know, it's not a disrespectful thing. It's just different, different experiences. And as our card pulled before we got started, the intention is everything. And it sounds like through the journey, through you and your team being guides, it really changes the entire Mm -hmm. experience. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's just a different dynamic, right? It it would be people are, are choosing to have that type of experience for a different reason. I've had many women come to me that they try to do this with with their friends or they're like my best friend and I, we've never experienced something like this. We found mushrooms. We rented a cabin or went to someone's apartment and lit candles and created a nice space for ourselves. Then at the end of the day, they were like, wow, we really shouldn't have done that because now all this stuff has arisen and neither one of us is really equipped to deal with it. So they may have had a beautiful day and they were perfectly fine and safe and they tried it just to try it and and everything is fine. I don't not recommend that, but the level of access and the, the entry points that you're going into in the psyche is deep, is deep. And if your friend's not a therapist, it's kind of unfair for them to know how to handle you when you're in like a bone shaking cry about a remembrance or a memory that's not even yours. Like that's a language that they probably don't speak and, and an unfair burden um, as well. So you just want to be careful about the types of containers that you're creating. If you're having a light, light dose and you just want to get past the barrier of knowing what this might be like, you're, you're generally probably going to be fine. You're, you're always going to be fine. As I said, like mushrooms are very low risk. Um, and there's just things to consider. That's amazing. Okay. So before you go, can you tell me a little bit more about like what would the cost look like? What can you do from where? Just so people can actually understand that piece. Yeah. So um, microdosing is the most popular way that we work with microdosing is in 30 day increments. So that's a one month uh, program. And Actually, Lisa, I'm going to be candid with you. I don't like the word program. (laughs) I'm very averse to the word program because I'm here to deprogram women. I think we're programmed enough in our society. Preach. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, cool. Now I'm like, okay, I got to rename all of my not programs. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Yeah. These these are offerings. Offerings. Okay. The plant medicine spirit as an ally, basically. Um, So you know, the microdose offering is typically a 30 day offering. So that's a month. So that would be three or four sessions over the course of a month. Um, I also have a virtual journey package where I work with women. And so all of this is when I say globally, like anyone can do this internationally, provided that they speak English, I would like to have practitioners from all over the world. Um, At some point, I have many at this point, but I'm working on assistance in different languages. So for women that don't have access to a guide or for whom coming to Vancouver to journey with me or one of our journey um, facilitators is inaccessible, you can do this virtually with me if we determine that it's safe 
So that's another one month to six week type of offering where, you know, you would go through all the same steps, right? So the preparation, the intake, the getting ready, then you're journeying by yourself in your home. So I'm helping you create a ceremonial container and experience. And then we're having the integration after. Um, then kind of the, the crown jewel or what everyone thinks that they want, but believe me, they don't, is the actual in-person journey experience um, itself. And so that's the four to six week offering. And we talked about that earlier. I totally was like, that would be what I would want. Yeah. And I'm sure of it, she says. Plus, <laughs> <laughs> um, these are all customized we do have set pricing but at the same time there needs to be flexibility and it's obvious that each journey container is specific to each woman you know for example i've had people that are not achieving results from like an icbc car accident or they've been in in very severe car accidents and so what they're dealing with is a physical ailment where they're not walking or experiencing severe back pain but there is trauma underlying there in the body. So is one journey probably sufficient for them? Likely not. And so they might be journeying over the six month period, maybe twice. So that's just going to be a different offering. And so pricing on all of those things is, is dependent. I will say that it, that it is a four figure in investment um, for the in-person offering. And right now our virtual offerings are still a, a three figure investment. So we try to be as accessible as possible. And one thing that I really firmly believe in is um, giving women financial options and empowerment. So they just say the word and they can have a payment plan. Like you don't, that's not a huge in-depth conversation that we need to go into. It's like, yes, absolutely. Of course. What do you need? That's awesome. I was wondering, that's, uh, I mean, I have so many more questions for you. I'm not going to dive into all of them today. Um, but that was, I was curious about the accessibility and about the financial aspect of it, because I do believe so deeply in financial empowerment for women and also realizing that there are, there are real constraints and real societal challenges that exist. And I love that you just, you brought that together and that you're able to do the amazing work that you do and honor the expertise that you bring to it and still work to make this accessible for mm-hmm. women. That's incredible. I do also, I mean, to speak candidly to the price point as well, and I, th- I think more information is always better than less. Like what we're seeing right now in the clinical trials and how the Western medical system is, is positioning itself to be able to provide these offerings is um, a PhD or master's degree minimum trained either therapist or psychotherapist or psychiatrist, and then another master trained therapist. So minimum of two people, full day experience in clinic, that's clocking in at around 15 to $25,000. So um, there are lower cost options. There are ketamine clinics that have become very popular in the States. And I know that they have one in Toronto. Um, I'm not particularly a fan of ketamine. I don't want to get into the huge pieces around the why it is a dissociative. And um, again, I prefer to just stay in the plant and in the natural realm. I think that their pricing is what I've seen from their packages is anywhere from three, four, five, six thousand $6,000 us. So I know that what we're offering um, is in line with, with what's happening in industry, but you're getting the whole person view. And that's a whole other part of my advocacy and, and separate from what we're talking about today is, is accessibility and, and what will that look like? Because I don't necessarily feel those price points are, are accessible. And I mean, unless you've got some really rockin' private insurance and you can just roll up with your insurance card and, into these clinics. And at the same time, I also think that a lot of 
this is veering into into interesting territory here. I think it's important that those that have resources do their work in terms of reparation and the real trauma that we inflict as colonial settlers to the people of this land and even just to our neighbors, right? Person to person. And part of that access is privilege and, and using your privilege in ways to be in right relationship. And so this is why I don't necessarily haggle on price. It's like, are you really ready? Do you have the, the relationships, finances, and all of it around you to make this optimal and really make the changes to be in right relationship with the world around you? So it's it's a there will be a different model for people in society who don't have access that that will be you know regulated in a clinical type model. That's not the work that I'm doing um, in this particular instance. And I think it's really important to be very, very clear about who you're working with and how you can best serve them. So thank you for asking. Yeah. And thanks for being so candid. I've learned so much in this episode. I feel like I want to just talk to you all day, but I'm sure you, if you're like me, maybe you have to pee or (laughs) want to have something else to do today, which I know you do. Uh, But before you head off, where can people find you? Where can they learn more about you and more about your offerings? Wonderful. Thank you for asking. Well, I'm really excited to announce that in 2021, Bloom is undertaking a major overhaul. So we're growing and expanding as a brand to really um, reflect the global work and the global offering that we have in in terms of being medical intuitives in this space. So right now you can find us at bloominstitute.org on the web. You may not find... um, exactly what you're looking for there, because there is a need at this time for us to be very careful with our language and the legalities around how we're presenting. But bloominstitute.org is where we're at. Um, On Instagram, you can find us at bloominstitute. And also, if you just want to connect with me personally, I think people really want to know their healer and really know who's behind, uh, who's the brain of the operation. (laughs) I am Jennifer A. Pereira on Facebook, and it's I am Jennifer Pereira on Instagram. And I always welcome personal connections. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, We always do a little lightning round questions before we wrap up the Golden Girls podcast. So you're Canadian, so you'll get this. Poutine, are you a cheese curd or a shredded cheese girl? Oh, I'm a shredded cheese girl and I don't eat poutine. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. I know. It's not exactly medicinal food. I know. I hear you. (laughs) Shredded cheese. Okay. All right. Uh, For anybody else who hasn't listened before, I am a curd girl always through and through. Um, Okay. Favorite book that you've read in the last year? Oh, Emergent Strategy by Adrienne Marie Brown. Okay. And what is a goal that you're working on right now? Elevating the Bloom Institute to be the world's number one medical intuitive psychedelic provider. I love it. Such a big and amazing goal that I'm sure you are. That's that's your destiny. That's where you're going. I can see it. I can feel it. It's really powerful. Uh, thank you for sharing all your wisdom, Jennifer. We're going to have to have you back because I still have so many questions and I'm learning so much. But um, thank you. You guys get in touch with Jennifer and her amazing team at the Bloom Institute if you have more questions. Remember, we're not telling you here to do drugs. We're just here to give you some great information and we hope that you've enjoyed this conversation. Um, thanks for your openness. Thanks for bringing your heart and uh, I hope you have an amazing day. Thank you, Lisa. There's just one last thing as I say my parting goodbyes. I just want to acknowledge that the extreme privilege that we're under, that we live, learn, work, and play on unceded territory here in Canada. This is enormous privilege that we're under to have this conversation. It's a privilege to bring these sacred medicines and plant forward in this way. It's a privilege to introduce the concepts of right relationship to our listeners. And I also hope to everyone that is listening 
Whether you believe in magic or not, I hope that you will receive the many blessings that I've infused this container with, that from this day and this moment forward, that you step forward with greater intention and love and respect for yourself and all those around you. And thank you for being here in this time and in this way. Wow. Well, I'm pretty sure 11-year-old me thinking that all drugs are bad, period, would be absolutely horrified that I had just had a whole conversation about them. But hey, aren't we all here to learn and evolve? And that's definitely what we're doing. I have to say, this episode went in many different directions than I thought it would. And Jennifer brought a lot of interesting concepts to the forefront that I appreciated, including colonialism, empowering women financially, and the importance of accessibility. Also, in case you're wondering, she's officially made me change from calling them programs to offerings <laughs> as often as I can possibly remember. So thank you, Jennifer. All the credit goes to you for opening my mind to that. Some of my biggest takeaways from this episode and from what Jennifer shared are, number one, how essential it is to get the whole picture of a person for true healing. I really appreciated what she said about the Western medical system. And I agree with her that it's not currently set up to really fully solve our problems or to allow us to really thrive in terms of health. Now, it feels taboo to even say that out loud. I'm not going to lie. But yet, if we look at healthcare statistics, it's pretty obvious that we're missing the mark on big things such as anxiety, depression, vitality, gut health, and many, many different measures. For that reason, I feel like I'm okay being a little taboo on this. I loved Jennifer's vision and the way that she's created a whole integrative look at a person to support in health and true healing. I believe, and I'm really excited to think that this is the future of healthcare, that we're able to bring this well-rounded perspective to healing and welcome a variety of modalities and tools to help us in different ways at different times. There's a lot of power in this concept. I also think there's a it's just fabulous that Jennifer owns that she's a medical intuitive, a phrase and title I'd never thought about before. Isn't it juicy and fantastic though? As someone, me, who has been strengthening my own intuition and blown away by the power of it and still have a long way to go, to be honest, I think it's A, awesome to see another woman standing in that power and B, so exciting to think about what's possible for someone with someone who is a medical intuitive and frankly, anybody who can use the power of intuition for healing towards themselves and others. Super, super cool and juicy and exciting. I love it. I also loved everything that Jennifer talked about with respect to emotions and being able to access the stuff that typically goes unaddressed, unconscious. What she says here is just spot on. There's lots of ways to do this. Psychedelics clearly being one of them. Uh, Journaling can also help. Physical movements and embodiment, therapy, exercise, meditation, breath work, body work, coaching, so, so much. I'm grateful and I think really positively optimistic about the direction that we're going in the world because this is getting airtime. This idea that our emotions and thought patterns are running what we see on the surface and that it's important to get under the hood to really uncover, to heal, and to ultimately thrive in every, every aspect. I also could so relate to what Jennifer said her clients struggle with or work to overcome because there's things that I have also either explored or working through or working through with my clients. I'd say the two biggest ones, the first one, definitely that productivity, the tie to self-worth. It's definitely one I've worked on, I'm still working on, um, and continue to coach clients through as well because this is a huge, huge one for so many is this tie to having to do all the things all the time and then wondering why we're burnt out. I have to say also 
But the relationship to food one, that was a relatively new discovery for me and one that I'm just scratching the surface on. And it definitely has me thinking, it's got my eye, my curiosity peaked for a potential future episodes. So stay tuned for that. And of course, uh, my own growth journey. I'm excited for that too. While Jennifer is based in Vancouver, the cool thing is, is that she does have virtual offerings. You can reach out to her and her team at the Bloom Institute. All the links are in the show notes below. Please go check them out. Go give them some love. If you want to learn more, reach out to them. I think it's also fair to say that even though she's in Vancouver and maybe not everyone will get the opportunity to um, to it's the word work. I'm like, do we even say work? Is that the right word to play with Jennifer to to have that opportunity? I have to say, she certainly sets an incredible standard for honoring women in their healing and their health, and I just hope that we can see more of that in in the coming months, the coming years, and for ourselves that we can honor ourselves in our health and healing journey. Before I go, remember this. Our goal here was and is to provide information that's accessible and share it in a way that was feminine. And I really, truly hope that you feel this way. And also, it's just the beginning. I have added some more links below to more resources if you want to you wanna see more of what's going on there. And of course, one last time, my lawyer wants me to tell you that drugs are still illegal. We are not encouraging you to do it, nor are we selling drugs. As with anything, we encourage you to do your own research, consult a medical professional, and I mean, how many times am I going to say this? Enough for me to hear it myself, which is you are always your own best expert. Thank you. Thank you so much to Jennifer for bringing her wisdom. Thank you for coming to this episode, accepting my invitation to come with an open heart and an open mind. I truly hope you enjoyed it. Golden Girls, until next time, stay curious, stay open, and stay you. Thank you so much for listening. If something spoke to you, send me a message by sharing this episode and tagging me on social media. If you know someone who would love to hear this episode, please share it with them too. Because I love surprises, make sure you subscribe to the Golden Girls podcast today. It's the only way to find out about bonus surprise episodes and make sure you don't miss a single beat on your golden journey. Thanks again for listening and I will talk to you in the next episode of the Golden Girls podcast.